0: Uh, in the summary of the office, which I read from the book, and I might have said more uh, in the in the little ordination portion of the service, but uh, but well, what I what I might have said there, I hope to say now in the sermon, uh, both to our new elder and to the elders and to the church. So hear what the Apostle Paul said to the Ephesian elders, first of all, Acts chapter 20, verse 17. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing, that was helpful. By procl- uh, but proclaimed it to you, and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews, and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see now, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things which uh, that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying. That chains and tribulations await me, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch. And remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and Remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. And then I'd also like to read uh, First Peter, chapter five, verses one through five. Hear God's word once more. The elders who are among you, I exhort. I am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly; not for dishonest gain, but eagerly; not uh, nor, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears. You will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, just the first half of the verse. Likewise, you younger people submit yourselves to your elders and let us pray together. Our father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you that this is a subject which finds agreement in both testaments, old and new. We find your concern for your people through the elders. We find your admonition to the elders and we even find your concern for the elders. Lord, we ask you that you would uh, open up this subject to us in a fresh way, both elder and church, uh, for uh, for the morning service and for the days to come. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you all know, uh, this year we have... We have brought now onto the session two new men, two new elders on the session. And we thank God for that because uh, we also lost uh, in the last year or so two elders. And so the need was very great. But seeing that God in his wisdom has both taken and given two elders to his church it seems wise to me, and I hope you will agree, uh, to consider the subject afresh. Uh, besides, our book says, just following the last thing I did when I declared John to be an elder among us, our book says, uh, following that point, the minister shall give to him and to the congregation an exhortation suited to the, to the occasion. Now, ordinarily... Uh, That would be an occasion for the minister to speak a brief few words, both to the man and to the church, uh, and then uh, to proceed to preach uh, the regular sermon. Uh, But I don't see why that can't be the sermon itself. Listen again. He may give he, he shall give to him and to the congregation an exhortation suited to the occasion. So, as I say, I don't see why that can't be the sermon. That's what I propose to do here, to preach a sermon on the elder and the church. A sermon. For John. A sermon for Dan. A sermon for Matt. A sermon for me. And a sermon for all of you. This is a sermon for the whole church. And it is a subject which I hope we've already seen in the three passages we've considered. That scripture has a great deal to say indeed. Indeed. This evening, uh, we will find, again, one of the passages that I read from the summary of the, the duties of the office uh, in, in, in the evening text, Acts chapter 14. They appointed elders uh, wherever they were. What I propose to do then uh, this morning is simply to look uh, at the three passages we considered, a survey of three passages Beginning with uh, Ezekiel, excuse me, Ezekiel 34, which is a rebuke against the false shepherds of Israel. Now, that's a sobering way to begin the subject, isn't it? And yet, uh, that's what we find uh, is not only in the, the Old Testament, but it was something that was necessary in the Old Testament. You know, I hope, the long history of Israel, it was a history of... Not faithfulness, but unfaithfulness. And it wasn't just unfaithfulness on the part of the people. We often think of that, and we're right, but it was also unfaithfulness on the part of the leaders. And that is especially evident when we see our Lord coming to the Jews, to Israel, in his earthly appearance. He was always contending, let us see, against the shepherds of Israel. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, those were the shepherds. They were the leaders, And we find again and again that our Lord didn't have uh, a happy reception, but that he was always contending against them. But this was nothing new. This is something that the Lord was doing already through the prophet Ezekiel and others. Well, look here at Israel in the days of Ezekiel or in the days of our Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh and ask yourself, was the church ever in a sadder state than when she had no shepherds to care for her? As I say, this is not only what we found in the days of Ezekiel, but it was what we found in the days of our Lord. Where he says, really in the spirit of the prophet Ezekiel, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. uh, I suppose actually this is Matthew commenting. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having No shepherd. They had no one to care for her. What we find in Ezekiel 34 is a series of uh, stunning indictments against the elders. That's that's what I'm calling them or the shepherds of Israel. But let us see. These were the elders. Uh, there, There were there were five. The first of which is. They fed themselves and not the flock. Verse two. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherd feed the flocks? That's a good question. That the church and that the elders should be asking themselves at a time like this. What should the elder be doing? Well, he should be feeding the flock. And what, after all, is meant by that? Clearly, this is a metaphor. He's not talking about taking a handful of grain and feeding a sheep. He's talking about, or or, (laughs) however it is you feed a sheep, I confess, I don't know. I suppose they graze on grass. Never mind the metaphor. The point is... It's a teaching ministry. It was in the Old Testament. It is in the New Testament. The metaphor of feeding is is, is feeding the flock with the pure milk of the word or with uh, the bread of life. The words which proceed from the mouth of the Lord. And And the Lord appoints elders over his flock in order that they might feed them with the word. But that isn't what the shepherds of Israel were doing. They weren't feeding the flock. Woe to them, our Lord says, woe to the shepherd who doesn't feed the flock. Number one, number two, the weak you have not strengthened. You have not bound up the broken. You have not brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. The sheep were scattered, they were straying, they were starving, and they showed, the shepherds showed no concern For the sheep, they did not seek them. They did not heal them. They did not bind them up. Number three, you were not gentle, but cruel. They were as lords and tyrants, not as servants. Verse four. With force and cruelty, you have ruled them. And so the people were scattered like sheep without a shepherd. And our Lord says, I am against them. I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease." Now think of that. The Lord is saying that the elders will be elders no more. I will deliver my flock from them." Incredibly sobering words. This is what you find in verses seven uh, through 10, which we read earlier. But that isn't the, the entire picture we find in verses 11 through 15 and following. That the Lord speaks wonderfully of seeking the lost sheep. It's a wonderful picture most clearly of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who in his coming says that I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. And do you understand the context in which he was saying that he isn't just speaking. He is speaking but he isn't just speaking of the individual sinner's salvation. But he is speaking more broadly Of taking up the office of a shepherd to his people, even as the shepherds of Israel failed to do. Oh, he came to seek and to save that which was lost, even as he promised to do. Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep. So I will seek out my sheep and deliver them and on and on he goes. Did you ever think of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in terms of the office of the elder? Or I could put the question uh, in in the other direction. Did you ever think of the office of the elder like that in terms of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? These are words to take to heart. Uh, Whenever we consider the subject of the elder, uh, especially on a day when a, a man is ordained, The purpose of reading a passage like this isn't to say that the Lord is against you. It is to say that, well, do you realize the danger? Do you realize what it is that the Lord is entrusting to your care? Do you realize the concern he has for his own flock? And can you think of anything more awful than for the Lord one day to say to you that uh, he will take the sheep away from you. He will cause you to cease. Or even worse than that, for the Lord uh, to have to say to his elders, I'm against you. These are sobering words. I, I think it's appropriate that we take them, all of us, to heart. And yet at the same time to see a happier picture and realize that where we find that there are elders in the church, Who are feeding the flock and who are strengthening the weak and who are gentle and not cruel and who seek those who are scattered. That is to say, those who are straying, go after them, bring them back. We have reason to thank God and to praise him for we find that as sad as Israel was, she was like a flock of sheep with no one to care for her. We do not find ourselves in the same Position. Well, the second text that I wish to consider, and which is I think the main text, is Acts chapter twenty, which I would entitle uh as my second point, An Earnest Appeal to Earnest Shepherding. This is my favorite passage on the subject of the elder, because we find here that the Apostle Paul is so earnest. Whenever I think of what it is that the Lord is calling me to do as a minister and what it is that I am to encourage the elders to do, I always think of this passage. If ever I find that I am failing, I think of this passage. This is a passage which challenges men to faithfulness, to earnest shepherding. Uh, we could call this a little sermon to the elders, which is to me quite moving. He speaks of four things in verses 17 through 27. He speaks of the manner of life he lived. You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. He speaks of humility. He speaks of tears. He speaks of trials. John Angel James uh, in uh, his book on the ministry and an earnest ministry speaks of the importance of earnestness in the ministry. What I find here in Paul and what I always find in Paul is earnestness. And what I find him calling elders to is earnestness. He speaks next of the message that he preached. He kept nothing back that was helpful. Verses 21 and 22. He taught from house to house. Uh, We could speak of a kind of visitation ministry that he went about. He spoke of. Repentance and faith. That was necessary to be saved. He speaks thirdly of how willingly he suffered for them for the kingdom of God. And I confess that's the thing that really grips me about this passage. Verses 22 through 24. Well, I'll just read uh, the end of verse 23 through 24. He says, tribulations await me, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Here was a man. Who was called to suffer and yet he was willing to suffer a man who could say to the elders and may the elders and myself be able to say to you always I count my life as nothing for the sake of serving Jesus Christ. May it never be said of of the elders of this church that we are afraid to to elder or shepherd this church for fear of our lives. That is the calling of the elder and that is what the Apostle Paul embodied a willingness to suffer even to die for the sake of of the church. The last thing he says is that I'm innocent of your blood. Again, what an earnest ministry. I've told you of the way of salvation, verses 25 through 27. My hands are free of your blood. Again, we think of the prophet Ezekiel and we see the apostle Paul assuming the office or the voice at least of the prophets. I've declared to you the whole counsel of God. Again there's nothing I've held back. I've told you everything that was needful for salvation. And if you will not repent and believe and be saved by this gospel. It will not be because I did not tell you. Now that is Paul uh, describing his own ministry to them. And it is upon that basis that he then exhorts them. Therefore verse 28 To the kind of ministry that they are to have to others. Verses 28 through 31. When you see his little sermon like this, it becomes clear for one thing that his manner of life and his message was to become a model for the elders in Ephesus. As I imitate Christ, imitate me all the things that I said about myself, you ought to be able to say about yourselves As you minister to others, show the same eagerness and willingness to do all that is necessary to live a life which is free from blame. Be able to say to the flock, you know, the kind of life that I lived. Be willing to keep back nothing which is helpful to suffer all for Christ, to be sure that none under your charge will be able to say on that great day. You never told me you never warned me. And it is on this basis, therefore, that he gives a series of his, of exhortations, the first of which often forgotten is not take heed to the flock. That's the second. The first is take heed to yourself. John, Dan, Matt, take heed to yourself. That is the first call of the elder. Be aware, as we often speak of ministers, so I would speak of elders. Ministerial uh, efficacy or, or faithfulness springs out of a lively faith. And out of nothing else, as Charles Spurgeon, he's speaking to ministers, but we might equally speak of elders, speaks of the minister's self-watch. That's the first chapter in his lectures to my students, and that is the apostle's first exhortation to the elders. Take heed to yourselves. We shall be likely to accomplish, accomplish most when we are in the best spiritual condition. In other words, we shall usually do our Lord's work best. When our gifts and graces are in good order and we shall do worst when they are most out of trim. This is a practical truth for our guidance. When our when the Lord makes exceptions, they do but prove the rule. And then he says, it is not great talents. God blesses so much as likeness to Jesus. Unholy, a holy minister and I would add a holy elder is an awful weapon in the hand of God, Take heed to yourselves, number one, number two, and to all the flock, but always remember that order. See that, he says, that the, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Who has made uh, uh, the elders of this church what they are? Well, the first and the primary answer is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who calls men to office. It is the Holy Spirit who makes men elders. And seeing that he has done so. The Holy Spirit calls you to care for the flock. Do so in this way. Number three, shepherd the church of God, for it is his and he has purchased it with his own blood. So it is very precious to him. Is there anything in all the world more precious to the Lord Jesus than his own flock? And why was it that he called you men to shepherd for his flock if it was not to express uh, to if it was not to express his care for them? Always remember that he purchased the church. With his own blood. Well I thought I might read something from the book. But I think better uh, to keep going. Know this he says. Savage wolves will come in. From without and spring up from within. They will not spare the flock. And so realize. The apostle says. That the days in which we are living. Are desperately evil. And the church will not be spared. From its evils. This was true in the days of the apostle. This is. True in the days of our of ourselves. The Apostle Paul is saying that evils from without will seek to gain an entrance into the church. He also says that evils will spring up from within and people will be will be seduced and they will be led astray. Therefore, watch out for this. The Apostle says. Be on your guard. And remember. Remember. Remember how Paul himself did not cease to warn them, even with tears. One of the things we might ask ourselves in light of this passage its verse 31, by the way. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. The question we might ask ourselves is, does the elder ever warn the sheep? Is he aware of the dangers? Is he aware of the evils that might creep in from without or spring up from within? And seeing the office like that, who, after all, would ever seek such an office, seeing this is what is involved, not just caring for the sheep, but also battling wolves. The only answer I can think of to the question, who would ever seek such an office is this only those whom the Holy Spirit calls and makes elders. And so I would say, if ever the elder The elders of this church lack inspiration. If ever they find that they are weary in the uh, the battle or unsure what to do, let him come back to these verses and especially let him remember Paul. But the last thing I would notice uh, from another passage, 1 Peter chapter 5, is a more gentle exhortation to shepherds. And based upon those verses, I'll just read them again. Verses two through four, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, eagerly not being not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Let us see, first of all, that the elder is to shepherd The flock, I hope that is clear by now, but let me make it doubly clear in case there is any mystery about this. And sometimes I find in Presbyterianism, there is a degree of mystery about this, that the pastor is not the only shepherd. But that in speaking of the shepherds of the church, we are equally speaking of the elders of the church. And that the primary way in which the elder is to assist the minister in his labors is to assist him in the shepherding Of the flock that ordinarily the minister is the one laboring in teaching and preaching the elders along with the pastor are shepherding the flock. They are to shepherd the flock, which is among them. That is the calling of the elder. They are to shepherd the flock as overseers for that is what an elder is. An elder is someone who is an overseer. He is responsible for the care of those Under his charge, he is to do so in three ways. Willingly, eagerly, and as an example. In other words, when I think about what Peter is saying there, I really think he's just saying what Paul was saying. He's saying, as Paul was to the Ephesians, so you are to be to the people. You are to be willing servants. You're to be eager servants. You are to be examples to the flock. The burden of the shepherd is the care and the oversight of the sheep. His whole, be, his whole well-being is bound up with the sheep. And so his ministry of shepherding is one of caring for the flock. He's living in such a way that others might see Christ in him. And so follow him. Another thing they must see is that those under their care were given to them by God. They were entrusted to them. When the Holy Spirit made you overseers, he entrusted to your care his own sheep. And it is for them that you will one day give an account. We read in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. So, too, the elder must see that there are certain temptations that will creep in. You see, the other side of being willing, eager and examples are three sins that the elder is prone to. He says, shepherd the flock, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but by being examples to the flock in each of these three positive things. There is a negative counterpart. There is a temptation that the elder will face. And as sinners will at times succumb to. He will be tempted uh, to use his office for personal gain. He will be tempted at times to begrudge his office and all the duties of the office. Oh, I'm not willing. Not today. He will at times be a kind of lord and a tyrant. He won't be as gentle as he should be. Well, against that, the Apostle Peter says, listen, the elder above all is to be the servant of all. That doesn't mean that the elder has no authority. It means that his authority must be clothed in humility, even as the Lord Jesus was when he came down from heaven to us. And so he speaks to elders when he says this, In Mark chapter 10, verse 42, speaking to his disciples, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, another thing he must realize in light of this passage is that, as God has made him an overseer of the church, so he stands not above but beside his fellow elders. No one man rules the church. Not myself. Not uh, not a single uh, man on the session. But the elders are to rule together. Do you notice Peter is speaking? Of himself as a fellow elder, along with the elders uh, to whom he was writing there. And that as the elders carry out their task, they are to do so alongside their fellow elders. But the greatest thought is expressed in verse 4 And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Here is encouragement to faithful elders in their work. But let us see in speaking of the chief shepherd, not Peter, but Jesus. He's really saying two things. One is that the elders themselves are really under shepherds of Jesus and that he is the shepherd of shepherds. Let me say that again. Jesus Christ is the shepherd of shepherds. What am I saying? I'm saying that the elders are sheep, too. And don't ever forget it. I always say this. Uh, I say it of myself, so I'll say to the elders, uh, the elders are Christians too. They're Christians first and foremost. They need a savior. They need a shepherd, and that shepherd is Jesus Christ. They stand as elders, not beside Jesus Christ, but beneath him as subject to his care and his lordship. The elders are sheep too. Jesus is the chief shepherd. But that also means, as a second thing, that the true Shepherd of the church must always be seen to be Jesus Christ. He is the shepherd of the sheep. He is the shepherd of the church, his people. Whenever we think of the elder, the office of the elder as shepherds, we must always think of the chief shepherd, not just in the relation of the sheep or excuse me, the shepherd to the chief shepherd, but of the sheep to the chief shepherd. And he will always care for the church. That's what he's expressing in Ezekiel chapter 34. And that's what he's expressing throughout the whole of redemptive history. The concern that the chief shepherd has for the church. But let us see that one of the chief ways that he cares for the church, as he expresses in all of these passages, is by giving the church shepherds to care for her. This is uh, an aspect of his care and of his love. And as I close, let me close with these exhortations and encouragements to the whole church. To the elders, I say along with Peter, there is great reward. I think of what uh, Paul says in First Timothy chapter 3, at the end, he, he commends the deacons. He says there's great reward in it. And, I, and I've thought to myself, why didn't he say that to the elders? Well, go to another place and you'll find it in First Peter 5. In First Peter 5, he says it to the elders. Listen, in your work, there is a great reward. As, as with all things in the kingdom of God, it is deferred. It's not for the present. You're laying up treasures in heaven. You will see very little of that reward in this life but there is a crown of glory that does not fade away that the chief shepherd will give to you on that day. But to the church, I say, along with Peter, simply, well, and in so many other places as well, that the church is to offer submission to its elders. Submit yourselves to the elders, Peter says. And so we find in Hebrews 13 and so many other places, it's important very briefly that we try to define submission in the case of elders. What are we talking about? Again, it should be very clear by now that we're not setting up tyrants to rule the church at their own whims. The kind of submission we're describing is in relation to an authority which is spiritual, very similar to the authority that one finds in the civil sphere, which is civil Well, as we are to obey the civil magistrates in things sinful, or excuse me, civil, uh, agreeable to the will of God, so we are to submit ourselves in the ecclesiastical or the spiritual sphere in things spiritual, agreeable to the will of God. It's not an authority that's absolute. It never is. The authority of husbands, the authority of magistrates, the authority of, uh, of elders is not absolute. But it is real because what they are ministering, whether again in the civil sphere or in the spiritual sphere, is the will of God. And that is the thing that we are called to submit to. We are called to submit to the will of God. And insofar as elders are to you ministers of the will of God and they make you aware of the will of God, you are to submit to them. Not only that. But included in this idea of submission is imitation. Men who are worthy of the office of elder are worthy to be followed. And so you see how that exhortation goes both ways. The elder is to live such a life that men would follow him. That's the the essence of the office of the elder. But so long as he's doing that, the church is called to follow him in his example. Hebrews chapter 13 Verse seven, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Or if you think of what Peter is saying to the elders, you are to be examples to the flock. But insofar as the church finds worthy examples, let them follow the examples which they find in their elders. Realize. Beyond that, that such men watch over your souls and must must give an account. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. And so let their labors not be a uh, a burden and a grief, but a joy in order that it may be profitable for you, he says. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. In other words, you're only hurting yourself when you do so. When you scorn the wise leadership of godly elders, I'm, no, I'm not saying, nor would I ever say, that the church is to submit to godless elders. But the church is to submit; it is to heed the leadership of godly elders. And really, if we look at everything that was said in in, in the survey of these three passages, with a little bit of Hebrew sprinkled in, the picture that I find is one of of harmony, and it is one of happiness. Between the church and her elders. And so my admonition to this church. As we go forward. And my admonition to the elders is. Let there be a happy harmony. Between the church and her elders. Amen. And let us come to the table together.